0: Hello and welcome to the MBOM Podcast, where you'll learn to master the business of yoga. MBOM is a proud part of the Wanderbarn Barn Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Amanda Kingsmith. I'm a 500-hour registered yoga teacher, a yoga business coach, and a total business geek. Here at MBOM, you'll learn everything you need to know to create a sustainable yoga business by learning from myself and guests from around the world about how they built their yoga businesses and about how you too can become a successful yoga teacher, studio owner, and much more. All right, let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome back for another episode of MBOM. I am so excited that you decided to join me for today's episode of the show, and we're going to get to that really quick. But first of all, I just wanted to talk about MBOM behind the scenes. After releasing hundreds of podcast episodes, I wanted to create content that dives deeper into helping yoga entrepreneurs like yourself Thrive and elevate their yoga businesses. And this is where MBOM Behind the Scenes comes in. Each week, you will get bonus content from the weekly guest or myself diving deeper into how you can take the teachings and apply them to your business. This podcast is designed for yoga teachers and studio owners who are ready to take it to the next level. If you enjoy MBOM and have been looking for an affordable way to learn more, this is it. For less than the cost of two lattes per month, you will get never-before-heard content that you can't access anywhere else that will give you tangible ways to dive deeper into your yoga business. Currently the price is $10 per month and you get four pieces of additional content per month. Now, the price is going to be going up a little bit in just a couple of days. So if you are listening live today, October 5th, you have two more days to sign up. Wednesday, October 7th is the last day for this price to get grandfathered on. And after that, the price is going to be a little bit higher. So if you would like to join MBOM behind the scenes before the price rises on Wednesday, October 7th, head on over today to patreon.com forward slash MBM yoga. Once again, that's patreon.com forward slash M B O M yoga. Hope to see you behind the scenes. Now, on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of the MBM podcast. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Offering Tree. Offering Tree is your one stop shop for all things website, scheduling, emails, and more. And I'm going to tell you a bit more about what they have to offer a little bit later in the episode. I am so grateful that you decided to join me for today's episode of the show. We have a really cool interview on today's episode. I am joined by Anna Forrest and Jose Calarco, and they are the founders of Forest Yoga. Anna is an internationally recognized pioneer in yoga and emotional healing. And Jose is the co director of Forest Yoga, and he also is a ceremony leader and a medicine man. He has a long history of shamanism, the arts, music, and healing. And he brings his decades of experience as an artistic prodigy to Forest Yoga. So, together, these two are pretty awesome. And so, on this episode of the show, we talk about how they got into yoga, what inspired them to become yoga teachers, where The idea for forest yoga came from, and then the evolution of forest yoga and what it's like for them to grow an internationally recognized business. We also talk about how they've been able to balance the spiritual side of the business that they run with the business side, making money and all of that type of stuff. We talk about how they've been able to remain true to the principles of their practice while growing this internationally renowned brand. And we talk about lessons they've learned along the way. So we're covering a lot in this episode and Anna and Jose are both amazing. I loved this conversation with them and I hope you enjoy it as well. So without further ado, here they are. Welcome to the podcast today, Anna and Jose. I'm really excited to have you here with me.
1: Thanks for having us, Amanda.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited to see where this conversation goes and to just hear more about the business that you've both created. Uh, I've heard about Forest Yoga for a while and looking at your website, I was so fascinated by both your backgrounds and everything that you both do. But before we get there, can you tell me your yoga stories for both of you, how you got into yoga?
1: Well, Anna's is a great one. So let's, let's begin with Anna. All
0: right. This was way back in the long ago in the 70s. (laughs) I love how this is starting.
2: (laughs) Long ago in the dark ages of the yoga practices in the U.S., I was training horses back then and an alcoholic and pretty crazed teenager. And this girl in school that I knew but was not a friend, just someone I knew, came up to me in the hall one day and said, I have something that you can't do. And that was such a random, weird way to start a conversation with someone who I've actually never talked to before that I looked at her and I took out a cigarette and I tamped it down, you know, doing my best, by, like pulling it together. Cause I was just so nonplussed by that response. And I lit it and blew smoke in her face. And it was like, <laughs> I said, that's impossible. And then I paused and it was like, well, what, what is it? And she said, yoga, you want to come to a yoga class with me? And it was just like, okay. (laughs) It was just so odd. And so we did. And I was terrible at it. I was really stiff. There's a bunch of old people in the class. There's like women that had to be at least 30 years old. That, That was really old then. And, you know, I just was... Intrigued, but also discouraged and annoyed. and then I thought it was just so strange that everybody laid down at the end. Mm. I just couldn't deal with that one at all. That was probably the hardest thing out of the whole class was laying down with a group of strangers. It's like, no, I can't do that. So I just sat up and stared at them. And that was my first yoga class. And that woman who that girl, who I didn't really have many conversations with after. I still remember her name because that moment was a turning point for me. And in retrospect, I see it as an intervention from the sacred ones to save my life.
1: Yeah, and, of course, the story continues there for Anna for another 40 years after that. (laughs) But in my situation, I was involved in the arts and Aboriginal culture and Indigenous ceremonies and I was touring the world constantly uh, as an artist and a director and I needed to get fit uh, somehow like I would always come back to Sydney feeling like I was a mess and I remember I started meditation and I walked past the Bikram Yoga Centre and I thought "Mm, I wonder what that is so out of curiosity I took a class, and uh, I loved the sweat. I remember I just felt so good after having a sweat. So then, for a number of years, I became a Bikram yoga yogi, uh, and I got so addicted to the sweat that I was doing it twice a day. Wow. And uh, but you know, it, it didn't really have any spiritual nourishment for me it was just really just a physical sweat then a friend said to me you should try other forms of yoga once once i got to the top of the bikram tree as a a yogi there uh you know being limited to just not so many postures i started doing other forms of yoga and then i realized that my ceremonial and musical background would be great in a yoga class one day i thought to myself, you know, people are gathered here for two hours to feel better about themselves and to feel better about life. It, it's like a spiritual gathering, like an Aboriginal corroboree. Uh, that is a spiritual gathering of people looking to, you know, to move from the ordinary to the extraordinary. And I thought, well, people are gathered here. This would be great to sort of impose ceremony and philosophy and all sorts of things while we're here to make people feel better about themselves and then in 2014 uh the owner of my yoga studio in sydney body my life said we have a visitor called anna forest coming to sydney could you do a ceremony for her and i the rest is history i said yeah absolutely i can and uh we did incredible Aboriginal welcome ceremony for her in the full traditional regalia. And it blew Anna's mind, but it it also blew all the teachers. There were 70 teachers from Sydney in the room and people were weeping and crying because they had never experienced like such a real Indigenous ceremony before. And the rest is history. Anna and I soon after got together. And for the last seven years, we have been I- interweaving our worlds of ceremony, music, and yoga, and giving students a very comprehensive experience.
0: Yeah! Wow! Thank you both for sharing that. Your stories are both so powerful, and I think it's amazing to hear how how you were able to meet and then you know get together and in intertwine what you were both doing and what you're both passionate about. Um, Anna, for you, I'm curious from that first yoga class that you were, you know, uncomfortable in, you didn't want to be in Shavasana. How did it come to be that you became a teacher?
2: I'm a natural born teacher. It's like if I'm doing something that's worthwhile, I have to show it to somebody else. So even when I was still training courses and I started to overlap doing yoga, I had to show people this strange new thing, you know, like, do this yoga pose, you know, do this, do this. But there came another crossroads for me, like that first class where Robin Smith, who was that woman, that girl that brought me to a class with her, like that was a major turning point for me. Another turning point is when I chose to go live out in the desert because I had a job offer to train horses as oh. the head trainer, as the only trainer, it turned out. And that was a really big opportunity that ended up in not being what I thought it was. And so I had a huge realization when I was there, when I was realizing that this this thing in the desert, the training of the horses wasn't working and my realization was to choose life. That was really big. No matter what, choose life. And I started out on a vision quest to find out what does that mean in all the myriad of ways that previously I was choosing death, you know, whether it was with my addictions or all the ways that I would dim my life force. So that was a really huge thing that came out of my year and a half or whatever it was that I lived in the desert choose life the other thing that came up that was a life changer for me was recognizing from yeah, from different animals that i worked with the horses dogs cats sometimes snakes i mean I, I worked with whatever birds i realized like the many of the animals came to me pretty insane or hurt and usually it was from human ignorance or viciousness. And I realized that I wanted to make a bigger difference in the world because the animals were who I actually loved to the degree that I could love at that point. And if I was going to make a difference in this world, I needed to work with the humans because they were the ones that actually were creating the problems. And then it just seemed to flow really effortlessly of like, here was this residential teacher training in Mexico. And I thought, if I can live through a month without alcohol, cigarettes, and I, drugs, the, all of my horrible habits, and be a vegetarian, this is my, my jump into life. So that's, that was that turning point. There's been many, many crossroads and turning points in my life that were life changers. That's another one
0: amazing and so you went to mexico you did this teacher training and what was it actually like to go i guess cold turkey on alcohol drugs cigarettes and and spend you know 30 days as a vegetarian practicing yoga
2: crazy and and painful and weird because there were at least for the first part of it there was weird little visions and stuff and i knew about i knew about that coming off of alcohol and stuff mostly it was alcohol that there I'd had other people report that there were like DTs or just creepy stuff happening. And one of the ways that I actually built my self-respect would be like during a lecture or something. And, you know, I I don't know what was being lectured on in that training because I was in my own little world. I'd lock myself into Lotus and watch like vines with thorns wrapping around my arms and, and weird shit happening while I was just sitting there. And so to me, to do, To be able to have the strength to just sit there instead of reacting to whatever I thought the the uh, vision was was one of the ways that I started to build self respect so it was very strange, but a funny thing that came out of that is I also started to make friends, which was not easy for me and one of the people that I was making friends with, I was sitting in the the like bedroom with her while she was shuffling around in the closet, and I had my hand. On the bed and I was looking at this white scorpion kind of white cream colored scorpion that was walking between my f- Fingers and I was just sort of amused at that point because it was our uh, now the visions had gone to just one single little white scorpion So I was actually really pleased that like, this was progress like it wasn't a bunch of overwhelming Things crawling on me like it had been when I first got to that training, you know, as the detox started to happen and I was somewhat amused by that. And then my friend who was shuffling around in the closet turned around and saw the scorpion and she screamed. And my first thought was, what are you doing in my hallucination? Because I didn't realize the scorpion was real because it was so hard for me to know the difference. Yeah. Wow. But it was real. (laughs) And so that was a funny point there too.
0: Yeah. That's so scary to think about. (laughs) Uh, but obviously, you know, nothing bad happened out of that. And and that's no. an, definitely an interesting point to turn to. And so I, I'm I'm curious, I want to get us to the point where, you know, you guys meet along this journey. So Anna, you get out of this training and how did you build Forest Yoga? How did you go from being, you mm-hmm. know, this person going through this big transition to, you know, building this internationally recognized business?
2: Well, after that training, I went to the yoga center that sponsored it and I knew that they were really low on staff and I had nowhere to go. I was really poor. I had no money. I had nowhere to go. I had very little. And I just went and I said, I know you guys are low on staff. I'd be happy to teach some classes for room and board. And that's, I moved into the yoga center. So that was 1975.
0: That's after, amazing. And so, oh, sorry, go ahead.
2: Well, so I, I was teaching there. I sh- started to assist in the teacher trainings, then moved into co-teaching them and wasn't getting the healing I personally needed. It wasn't in the yoga. And so when I left that organization after being with them for a long time, relatively long, around 1981 or 82 I left and began studying. Well, I was studying beforehand, but I was studying the Native American ways and ceremonial ways and the medicine ways. And I moved up to a reservation and was living with a Cherokee medicine man and started learning ceremony. And that actually gave me the tools in ceremony to. Vision quest for my own spirit because I just assumed my spirit was shattered and dead and I actually Connected and started reclaiming parts of my spirit Then at a certain point it there was these this dichotomy inside of me. There was the yoga teacher and there was the person walking the red road the person that involved in the ceremony and I had to bring them together because it didn't feel right otherwise and so that became a whole different way of working is how to bring the vision quest the ceremony the connection to nature the connection to the great mystery bring that into an experience people could have on the mat and that was a huge mending because it was actually ripping me apart is these two separate lives and that was a that was a big part of how forest yoga formed i was already creating poses that i was not finding in the yoga systems that i investigated because of my own deep injuries i had a lot of injuries from being born crippled to many injuries from the horse world and i had to make poses that would directly get into the area that was atrophied or scarred or twisted or whatever it was. So the birthplace of forest yoga came from injury, came from questing for my own spirit, came from ceremony and needing to marry these things. Came from the connection to nature. That's really important. You know, not being like so many of the yoga teachings were about cutting off your senses and yet where I came to life was regaining my senses, regaining myself and connecting in a beauty way with nature, connecting with the animals, connecting with the stars and the skies. That was absolutely a part of me coming to life.
0: Yeah, that's really beautiful to hear. So thank you for sharing that. And it, to me, as I listened to that, it really sounds like your journey was... and. and you know, creating forest yoga was really about your own discovery and figuring out, you know, what you needed and then translating that into the teachings that you were offering other students.
2: Yes, it's a part of it. It's like, I would only teach what worked for me, but I also had to create things that worked for students that had problems that I didn't know anything about. And mm-hmm. so my approach was, and my what I would say to those students is, let's find out about this together let's quest for what works together. And that's one of the bottom lines is like, we we do what works.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That definitely makes sense. And so as you, I guess, continued to grow Forest Yoga, what took you to Australia to that trip that where you met Jose?
2: Hmm. Well, there's two different answers on that. One is a workshop and a book tour. I always wanted to go to Australia and then, Finally, I got an invitation that I could follow up on and I just Got my book published fierce Fierce medicine And so I was going to do a workshop and a training and a book reading and book signing and promotion So that's the the straight-up business answer. The other answer is I Had sat in ceremony with a friend of mine at the foot of the mountains in California and did a calling ceremony and did prayers. And my prayers were to connect to the Aboriginal people in Australia, the indigenous people, to connect to Uluru, because I'd been dreaming about that big red rock in the middle of red soil for most of my life and didn't even know it existed until I had found out like in, at that point about four years before I went to Australia. I found out it was a real place. I thought it was just a place in my dreaming. And then the really big one that took a lot of courage was doing my prayers over my pipe and talking to the sacred ones going, okay, sacred ones, I'm looking for my life partner now. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. feeling brave enough to ask for this. But he needs to have his own connection to ceremony. He needs to have respect for the indigenous people. He needs to love yoga. He needs to respect my work. I had this whole list. It's like sacred ones. I need a person that is strong in himself. No more broken people <laughs> as my as my lover. And the ceremony ended with like a very specific response. So it's like, okay, I feel like I've been heard. And when when I went to Australia, I was only there for a few days before we met, before we did the I did the book reading, and that's what we met at. And what happened is so funny is I was going up the elevator with my assistants, getting in the elevator to go up to Body, Mind, Life, the yoga center we were presenting at. And this guy ran into the elevator and the, one of my assistants held the door for him. And he looked at us and he looked at me and he said.
1: Are you Anna Forest?" <laughs> <laughs> and she said, sometimes. And uh, being an Australian, I thought, ah, okay, we got a smart ass on our hands. And then she <laughs> said, uh, who are you? And just as the elevator door opened, I said, you're going to find out.
2: And made a great exit. <laughs> I just thought, oh, yeah, showman. Yeah. <laughs> and that, you know, and it was also so funny because it was like I had this whole thinking process inside, like when we had that first little exchange of, you know, who are you and all that. It was like, okay, I'm, I'm like – strategizing and pulling my energy together, getting ready for this book reading because I had to get my presence strong enough because I didn't have the poses to help me engage my audience there. It had to just be my words and my presence. And so, you know, I was busy strategizing that and thinking I don't have time for a sparkling man. You know, I'm I'm busy here. I'm like working my strategy. Mm -hmm. And then right when we were about ready to start the reading, Phil, who's the owner of Body Mind Life, said, wait, 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 wait. We we have something something coming up. And it was like, what? <laughs> you know, and he said, we have we have a, a show for you. And it's like, what, like a warm-up band? What are you talking about? I've got, I'm on a time schedule here. I'm supposed to. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, yeah, okay, Phil. And so I pulled over to the side, and I heard this racket going on, like this clacking and this, like, deep moaning. And it was like, what is that? And then all of a sudden these Aboriginal people come through the door and they're playing a didgeridoo I had never heard before and hitting these sticks together, which are really loud in this enclosed room. And these guys and a woman walk in and they're wearing what is apparently traditional clothes, traditional ceremonial clothes. And they had paint on. And then the guy from the elevator follows them in. And it was just like, My internal response was sort of awestruck, but it was also, oh my fucking gods, this is my ceremony. And when I said that internally, I heard the sacred ones laughing because I didn't know how much of my ceremony it was. It was all of it. There was my beloved, I didn't know that. There's the Aboriginal people and they did a ceremony for me because I wanted to connect to them in ceremony. And then later on that year, Jose and I went to Uluru. It was all of my prayers right then in that room.
0: Wow. That's so, amazing. Yeah. Thank so we went through that. the
1: checklist of Anna's, uh, Anna's hopes and aspirations. I was able to uh, tick all the criteria required for the partnership. But for me, I had just gone through a uh, somewhat, not nasty divorce, but a uh, costly divorce. And, uh, you know, I remained single uh, during those days, so I was a little bit cautious to move into a relationship. But one thing I knew for sure was that the yoga scene was missing something. And, uh, you know, I often thought, you know, at at times the yoga scene can be somewhat white, middle-class and cheesy. and So I took my teacher training with Anna specifically to, so I could know how to imprint everything I know within Forest Yoga. And one of the main things and the first thing I had to do with Forest Yoga as the co-director was make it a vegan system, a vegan system that respected the environment, animals, and also our own personal health. And that was met with a little bit of uh, resistance at first. You know, I automatically assumed that the majority of yogis were vegans, which was an absolutely wrong assumption because every teacher training that I've taught, which is 25 of them with Anna, uh, the show of hands was for vegans, was very remote, maybe three out of 50 or four out of 50. So as well as making Forest Yoga a vegan system, I also started implementing music, ceremony, philosophies, and I was an artistic director in my time. So I thought that yoga teacher trainings needed to be a lot more professionally presented Uh, as an artistic director. So I made uh, every class or every ceremony we did like a professional presentation with real musicians, real structure, uh, a beginning, a midpoint and an end as a good artistic director should. And then all of a sudden we started creating absolute magic where we had interwoven all these things within a class. Uh, And then we took, so far, Anna and I have taken our duo, uh, our our act, (laughs) our yoga show to over 25 countries and 150 cities around the world. But this is what I was doing before I met Anna. With my descendants' Aboriginal dance company, we had already been to almost 50 countries and performed at the world's biggest events wow. Olympic Games, World Cup soccer, biggest of world's biggest events. So when I started easing off the touring, I thought, ah, oh, now I can stay home and write a book and write a couple of music albums, but no, <laughs> <What> <laughs> happened is I met Anna and just we went. I, I went straight back on the road again. So I've been on the road for twenty five years now, touring the wow. world. So uh, yeah, what Anna and I do together is is a real it, it, it's real beauty, incorporating all these things. My life. Long experiences within Anna's lifelong experiences and together it's it's absolutely pure magic the teacher trainings uh, or the workshops we make sure we address all four points of the human psyche we move the body we still the mind we express the emotions and we nurture the spirit so we make sure that all four a ticked off on the checklist and that people walk out of our events with a new sense of hope.
2: Because we teach with an intent for every class. So the intent could be something really simple, like connect to a place in your back that needs healing. This is a heal your back class. And then throughout the series of poses, one, the poses are designed to bring healing to the back, but two, it's bringing that mental awareness and the breath to an area and helping unwind the the whole drama and trauma that's locked into and archived into the cell tissue, getting that to release. So that's what I learned also from the the medicine ways, the Native American medicine ways, is to vision quest for healing and vision quest for what is your purpose and being alive. And so we bring that in too. One of the things that I was starting to explore right before I met Jose and it was like my big secret was I was starting to use Brummery and my medicine song and music in in general, like really specific music actually Mm -hmm. to be able to penetrate into an area in the body that was having problems or sick or whatever it was and start to unravel the ball of dissonance in there. Like when an area is sick, it has a really strange energy. What I call dissonance. And when Jose and I were first getting together and we were telling each other secrets, I was like telling him this precious thing I was discovering, you know, like sometimes I would sing into some area on someone's body and it would make a difference. And he looked at me funny and he said, my people have been singing into the bones for 40,000 years. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, boy, we need to talk about this. And so that's one of the great beauties that Jose brings. I mean, a lot of the music he brings is his own his own realizations that he had in the dream time and brought forth with the voice of music. And a lot of what he brings is also from the Aboriginal people, the indigenous songs and dances from the tribes that he has permission to carry. And it's just been amazing because we're, using music in this wonderful, exciting, skillful way that is ancient and in the process of discovery right now, both.
0: Yeah, yeah, this is uh, really amazing to hear. And one of the things that really inspires me with what you both have created is that you you've been able to create, you know, a sex, successful business where you're traveling around and you're, you know, teaching people and and building an audience. Yet, as I hear you talk, it's so clear to me that you both have remained true to your teachings and to what you believe in. And this isn't always an easy thing to do. I, I feel like I've heard from lots of people through my platform and on my podcast and just yoga teachers and and people in the wellness space in general where sometimes there's this disconnect between I guess, the business side of things and connecting to maybe the spiritual side of things. And I'm curious if you can touch on that, like how you're able to stay true to what, what you both believe in and what you teach while also, you know, this is your livelihood. This is what you guys do. Um, can you touch on that?
1: Yeah. Well, staying true is, is what makes you happy. You know, the person who's answering all the business emails, which is myself, I love that part of the business. The business Jose, the teacher Jose, the musician Jose, the ceremony man, the medicine man is all the same person. Whether I'm doing an email or whether I'm conducting a ceremony or whether I'm teaching, I, I, I'm always Jose. And uh, the same goes with Anna. Like we, that's what makes us happy. What makes us happy is being true.
2: I have, a, I have a thing that you taught me. This was really important because I had a certain apathy. I'm going to say this really foully, Apathy and laziness, like justified laziness around the, the business, emails, stuff like that. I hated sitting in front of the computer. It used to make me vomit, literally. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how to use a computer. The electromagnetic field made me feel sick and headachey, And I just had this horrible attitude And as the business world went more and more on the computer, I got more and more disconnected from it, which set me up for being ripped off. So one of the things I learned from Jose that totally changed my attitude, which was really needing renewal, was that the emails were like sending out beautiful seeds of the future. Like the future that we want to build, he sends out these sparkling star seeds through his emails. You know, like Mm -hmm. that's, that really changed my attitude instead of like, oh, I have to do damn email and I hate it and I don't know how to answer this and all my bad attitude about it. It's like cleaning that bad attitude out. Like I can totally get how to do that on the mat in ceremony, but somehow, even though I gave myself the words of bringing that same quality of love and attention that I did to my teaching, I couldn't quite bring it to the business. And I learned that from Jose. It's like, don't separate that. This is a huge part of making your business satisfying, not just financially fulfilling, but that too, but soul satisfying.
1: Yeah, there's there's happiness in integrity. It's really hard to be pretentious and wear masks all, all your life. It, it, it's just too much work. So to be... To be have a business of integrity and to be a person of integrity is a sense of freedom in itself. So, Aaron and I absolutely love what we do, whether we're creating music, ceremonies. Our new online series is the best work we have ever, ever done. Yes! And uh, <laughs> it's called <laughs> May the Rainbow Always Touch Your Shoulder and it's a trilogy which I wrote uh to be released on June 20th during the solstice. So, of course, it includes all Anna's magic in the yoga and then my artistic and creative overview of the things. But I've also enjoyed the yoga part as well because I'm creating new postures and uh, Mm -hmm. I'm just a natural creator, songwriter and uh Uh, songwriter, music producer, and also whatever I do, I just cannot stop the process of creation. And my imagination is always on. Uh, So I need to always stay focused in the present during a yoga class because I'm always being bombarded with new ideas and new ways where to take yoga and where to take forest yoga in the future.
2: We cultivate a love for what we're doing as part of our intent so as not to get, like, dry inside, you know, to be mm-hmm. to be turned on about it. And there are some really basic things that I have observed in yoga teachers that will take them down the road to rot. So one is is letting your work compromise your personal practice. We do our practice no matter what, no matter what, whether we're feeling punky, whether we've had crazy flights all over the world, you know, whether we have to start teaching early. When we do teacher training and we start teaching at eight or nine in the morning, we're doing yoga at sometimes four in the morning with our team or our team of assistants, because we must this is our integrity. We must have the yoga moving through our bloodstream so that we're teaching authentically. Because when I would allow in my earlier days before I worked this out when I would allow my teaching schedule to get in the way of my own personal schedule, I found myself resenting my students because they're getting that wonderful high from yoga and I'm just exhausted. So must do yoga practice before teaching at least once a day. Even just a few poses before getting on a class is great just to get into that space. You know, get off your iPhone and do some elbow to knee, some abdominals. Do something to get set. Two is use your nutritional strategy to build your luminosity. It was really difficult for me to change to being a vegan because I thought that I couldn't, I couldn't be strong and healthy that way. And that was just my own delusions. I I had gathered a certain amount of information and I needed to learn more to do it well. And now at 63, I am very strong as a vegan. And so people who think like, oh, I can't do that because because," it's like you need to research more. You can do this. You will thrive this way. And it will take away a layer of numbness. For those of you that love animals, there's a certain mm, hypocrisy that comes up when you are in the killing animals to eat mode, you can thrive without killing. That's amazing. So how you eat. People who work really hard, they think that they then are set up in a justifiable way to play hard, which means doing drugs and alcohol. It's like, do not indulge your neurosis and your addictions. Instead, heal them. So here's some basic tools
1: Yeah, so the vegan thing, as Anna said, we do a daily yoga practice. Uh, I am also a vegan teacher, so I've put together a really simple nine easy steps uh, to conscious eating for all our students, and they're very simple, and it's not a technical, uh, you know, I don't like to go into the technicalities of diet. I just like to keep it simple. And I have a nine easy steps to conscious eating, which can be found on the Forest Yoga website. We also make sure we do a daily walk through Mm -hmm. nature and we're always connecting to nature. And of course, every single day, we also have music and song every single day. So we're not moping about the current situation and the world climate, even though we are deeply, deeply concerned of what's going on, but, you know, we don't want to feed the ravenous creatures in our mind's jungle any worse than it is, so we make sure that we have a positive program each day which addresses these things.
2: One of the things that I learned in working with myself and my my overwhelm tendencies is to when I'm feeling overwhelmed and then it crashes into despair and anxiety and all that is like to back up, get my feet active, start breathing deeply. And then to ask this really powerful question is like, if I'm looking at the world situation and it's breaking my heart and it just seems so overwhelming and that there's nothing I can do really bad place to try to make decisions from is Mm -hmm. like renew myself with my breath or even yeah, just starting with the breath and then ask the question, well, what, what part of this can I do? So in this lockdown and there's people who are now starving and there's 40 million people who have lost their jobs and people's businesses are closing. And it's like this planetary mm-hmm. human-made disaster. What can I do? Well, right now, Jose and I have created our masterpieces that are going out online in, this month. Mm-hmm. Jose has written 14 songs during this time. We sing out to the world, sending out seeds of hope and of love, and of like, hang on, my friends, hang on, because it's all changing. And work on yourself right now. While we're in lockdown, work on yourself right now and do not allow the poison to infect you. Instead, clean this poisonous mind field out.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah there's so much powerful stuff in there and and thank you for those those different things that you've observed in yoga teachers anna that's definitely you know very very powerful and as well as you know thinking of the current climate i mean it's been a challenging couple of months for a lot of people and i think that you know you you guys are right like tuning inwards i think it's one of the best things we can do to make sure that our internal landscape is is clear and, you know, not full of all this kind of toxic noise that goes that, that that's going around the internet and on social media and in the media in general. Like we have to get clear on, you know, what our internal voice is telling us and and that sort of thing. hey, everyone. It's time for a short break from the show to talk about our sponsor, Offering Tree. If you're interested in finding all-in-one platform for online or in-person teaching, then you should check out Offering Tree. Offering Tree set out to make creating your digital presence fun, easy, and affordable. With one account, you can create a website in minutes with email marketing tools to collect email addresses, allowing you to send newsletters and automated emails to your subscribers. It all works seamlessly together with one account and one subscription. Already have your own website? No problem, because OfferingTree can embed seamlessly into your existing website. They're always adding new features to their platform to make it even better. They just recently released a new waiver feature that lets you easily add a waiver to your events and appointments. Adding a waiver protects you as a teacher and it keeps your students informed. If you're looking for a single platform to take care of all of your online and in-person teaching needs, then visit OfferingTree.com forward slash MBO. Offering Tree has been supporting MBOM for over a year now, and I not only love the product, but I also love the people. Offering Tree is providing special pricing for MBOM listeners. So be sure to visit offeringtree.com forward slash MBOM. That's offeringtree.com forward slash MBOM to receive the discount. All right, now back to the episode. It's just really inspiring to hear about this. this Clearly, very beautiful business that you guys have created that really stems from something that you're both deeply rooted in and very passionate about. And I think that that's one of the things, you know, for people listening, that's important to remember. Like, you know, building a business can come in all different shapes and sizes and different forms, but I think we really have to have that passion ultimately, and be connected to that and understand what that is um, and be able to share that with the world in a way that the world can really resonate with.
2: I think it's also helpful in a business way when you make that choice as like, I want this to also be a spiritual practice for me, this business. Mm-hmm. And in our business, to, to me, that's very easy, but it's because we made it that way is it's helping people connect to their spirit. And I, all, I have a spirit pledge And I really recommend people start to quest for what this could be for them, which is to do my part in mending the rainbow hoop of the people. So As we're in lockdown or as we're touring or as we're doing whatever, instead of just being growly and bitchy about, oh, I got to get up at three in the morning, it's like get focused and be aware of the energy I emit and create a good energy in the world. You know, like, what can I do today that can help create this mending of the hoop of the people, knowing that I am one of the people that needs mending. And so doing things that create healing or sends out an energy in the world that is beautiful. And this is really important to take the time to look for and connect to something in beauty. And I'm using beauty, not in a fashion beauty sense, though that's fun too, but in a Connecting to nature in a beauty way. It's a it's a it's a way of walking in the world So for example in this where we live on Orcas Island It's easy to do but it's also challenging because we can get caught up in the interior landscape of our mind Or worrying about the riots or worrying about all this stuff going on or I can take time to like put that aside for a little while and be aware of the deer and her spotted fawn that's bouncing through the trees and really drink that in like, ah, oh, I need that nourishment too. Not, I think it's very important to not shut yourself off from what's going on in the world because we need to contribute to the healing of the world and the people of the world. And how to do that? Work with our own neurosis, insanity, and woundedness too. So in this time of solid solitude, work on your own neurosis and what needs healing for you. Yeah. Then when we're allowed to go back in the world, you are walking in a very different way.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. I mean, you know, disconnecting entirely from things in the world doesn't really it doesn't really help, you know, healing because things are still a reality. So it's I mean, and you can apply that to many different things in life. You could disconnect from things that are really happening because you don't want it to impact you, but I think that the reality is is that these things happen and they show up and you know, in order for us to be our highest selves, we we need to be able to look at that and say it's there. But then, like you said, you know, see the deer and be able to really tune in and and breathe that in and make that, you know, the point of focus.
2: Now, I want to add another piece to that. It's like I hit overwhelm easier than Jose does. And so there comes a time like with all of this stuff that's going on in our world, and it's so painful and that it's like, okay, I need to take a step back from that because I'm, I'm absolutely full and I'm going into the toxic realm now. I need to stop ingesting that for the day and then jose will come and tell me something else It's like wait wait but then there's like okay now what's happening you know so there's a there's a dance for me for my internal emotional mental health of needing to stop ingesting everyone else's trauma and drama and then when i'm feeling steady and strong it's like okay now what's happening in the world you know that so there's that too to To be honest about how to move in and out of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That definitely makes sense. And one thing that I'm I'm curious about, and how this has been for you guys in your business, is, and I'm sure maybe you hear this quite a bit too. Is I, I hear from yoga teachers who say like, if I'm going to do you know the spiritual work, you know, I need to do it for free, and. I've never felt like that personally. I've felt that if we have something that we're offering, you know, we have to have some form of exchange and I think of money as a form of exchange, energy for money, and sometimes it can be energy for something else or some sort of energetic exchange, but really in 2020 most most likely the the currency exchange is going to be, you know, dollars in whatever currency that may be wherever you are. I'm curious like what your kind of thoughts on that are and how you approach that in your business.
1: Of course, you should be paid for your profession. This is absolute nonsense. Everyone gets paid for their time and profession. This is what civilization and society is all about. This often happens too with my descendants' Aboriginal dance company. People go, oh, you get paid? for doing ceremonies. You get paid for touring the world. You get paid for doing a dance show. Yeah. The white groups get paid. Uh, Everyone else gets paid. The plumber gets paid. The electrician gets paid. The guy at the gas station gets paid. But you don't want my people uh, to get paid. You don't want people doing spiritual services to get paid. This is absolute nonsense. Like, in my dance company, if we didn't get paid, then the culture would be dead because we need infrastructure. We need uh, a hall, a dance hall. We need administration. We need... We need you, know, <laughs> you know, it's absolutely ludicrous that people in spiritual business should not get paid. Uh, if, if that was the case, then my people would be homeless. They're already dishevelled and homeless as a whole people in Australia. and. Uh, you know, it's just crazy. Of course, yoga teachers should get paid. Just like everyone else in society gets paid. We also need to be paid. We also need administrators, all the great authors and spiritual teachers like Krishnamurti and all the great uh, theosophical teachers. They still need administration and distribution and all these sorts of things. So, Anyone who tells you you shouldn't get paid for what you're doing, uh, in my view, it's absolute nonsense.
0: Mm-hmm. I definitely appreciate those words, Jose, and I, I completely agree too. I think it's just felt very confusing to me as I entered the yoga space that people felt that they maybe shouldn't be paid for their their time and their work. And it is work. Why why as a profession would we not get paid? And same with, you know, your dance company. Why would you not get paid for that? That's what you do.
1: Yeah, well, if we didn't get paid, then the culture would be dead. Mm -hmm. It uh, it would be dead. We need work to to keep the culture rolling and to keep the – we need websites, we need administration – Even Eckhart Tolle and and Sadhguru needs websites, administration, and to be paid for what they do.
2: There's nothing wrong with that. In the old, old time in India, there may have been this not being paid thing, but somebody was housing that person. Somebody was feeding that person. Well, we don't have that set up where the swamis can go live in the ashram we don't really have that set up here in the states we have the exchange of money and so teach with integrity but know that all the years that you've put into your profession and you and the teachings that you are giving to the world you deserve to be paid mm-hmm. if you feel like oh you know it's all becoming about money then you need to do some work on coming into a good relationship with money it's green energy you know and I, I worked for years without charging because I, I let that guilt trip get to me, and someone else was making a lot of money off of me that way. But also, I've done for years in many different ways in the community, I taught to people that didn't have money for free. I would go to organizations that could call poor people together in one way or another and provide mats and all that for them, and I would go teach to people that had no money and had no access to yoga because they're too desperate and that's part of what i teach in the teacher training is part of in order to to become a certified forest yoga teacher you have to connect with an organization that helps people that are poor and then they have to donate their time so that they learn also how to teach from the heart without always getting paid financially So you you learn both and you can bring that generosity of heart into your daily work. But we deserve to be paid. We deserve to live well. We deserve to be safe in having a house and having good food and having transportation and clothes. We deserve that.
1: Or or we can't be effective uh, living out of a tent on the streets of L.A. Uh, We can be much more effective Uh, the way we are right now so uh, as teachers our time is valuable and we need to be paid
2: and we've spent you know speaking for us we've spent years and years and years getting to this place of wisdom and have spent money traveling around the world and doing all these deep studies and it's like well why shouldn't we for be for, able to be supported yeah, in this,
1: for every dollar we spend, we spend two dollars back putting back. So, uh, it's very, very expensive to be in business.
0: Mm-hmm yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of expenses that come along with running a business, everything from you know, setting up your website, getting the equipment that you might need for whatever you're doing, hiring a team if that's something you need to do. I mean, if you have a physical yeah. space, there's rent, there's maybe taxes. There's yeah. a lot of stuff that goes into that. And I think that you know, you're you're absolutely right. Like we and <laughs> I mean, this is like the the kind of foundation of it all is that, there's no reason why as creators, musicians, yoga teachers, spiritual practitioners that we we shouldn't get paid. There should always be that exchange that's happening and I think that's something really important for, you know, artists and yoga teachers, wellness providers to really consider. I think for me I've just been so I guess, like, tired of this idea that artists need to starve. <laughs> like, content creators <laughs> don't need to starve. Like, the starving artist thing needs to just go in the trash and yeah, disappear. Who's <laughs> saying
1: that bud? Who's saying that, you know? It's not the starving it's some, artist. It's someone who's getting paid doing whatever they're doing. It's not the artist saying that.
2: Yeah, I have starved, and, and it's, I don't like it. I don't want to be in that starving place ever again. It's, it's a hideous way to live. Mm. And there's nothing bloody spiritual about it. It's just desperate.
0: Yeah, you know,
2: for sure. And what I, I want to say to yoga teachers is I come learn to come into good relationship with money, just like coming into good relationship with food and not being a glutton. You can live prosperously and be centered and connected to your spirit. How about make that a goal? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think that that's very, very eloquently put. I literally could not have said that better myself, Anna. And I, I really love what what Jose was talking about too, where it's like, of course, we have to get paid for this work we're doing. You know, this, you know, for you would be the the indigenous culture would die out in Australia, and that would be. You know, a huge loss to the world as as well as the country. And it's similar how I think about with yoga teachers. I mean, in order for us to continue sharing these practices as teachers, we have to be able to, you know, pour from a cup that's full. We can't give and give and give and give. You know, at some point, the realities of, okay, we have to pay for the roof over our head and the food that we put on the table, you know, that stuff has to happen. And if you're busy, stressed about, where your next meal is coming from, how can you give in the yoga space? How can you give to your students? It just also, feels like that doesn't equate to me.
2: And also it's like, if a teacher is going to be a good teacher, they need to learn. And so it mm-hmm. frequently costs money for a teacher to go to another teacher to learn or mm-hmm. to take time out from their work in order to grow themselves. It's it's like, we have some really antiquated uh beliefs around yoga teachers and money. It's like that has to be put aside. We need to grow up more around that. Yeah.
1: For instance, mm-hmm. I had to invest all the money I had just to get, to keep the culture alive and get it moving. So, you know, if I didn't get paid and invested all, everything I had to get it moving, then it it wouldn't have got to 46 countries and it wouldn't have made a statement everywhere we went. Our political statement is our culture, and uh, it wouldn't have happened without getting payment. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's
2: also really getting to the source of you are worth, your time is worth being paid for. Otherwise, what you're doing as a yoga teacher is unviable.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. I completely agree with that. I think that that's so so important for you know anyone listening to really like take those words and drink them in and sit with them and see how you feel about them because that's really really important. Is you know that to me is like the yoga. The yoga practice is understanding that you're worthy, and that comes in so many forms. And getting paid is just one of them.
2: Right. And what you are offering people is worthy. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't be there in your class or online waiting for you to show up if they didn't think so. So there's, there's some, there's a good yoga to be had around that, like getting rid of these old belief systems about money and learning and finding out for you, for the individual, what is coming into correct relationship with money because you need it to live.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I've loved this conversation. You guys' story is so beautiful and so inspiring. And the business that you've created, both you know, your work separately and then coming together has, is just amazing to hear about. And I'm so grateful for this conversation. I'm curious if there's anything else you want to share before we wrap up today.
1: No, I think uh, we covered it all. We we would love to. We, we could go on all day, really. But, uh, I
0: know, know. I was like, I could just another, keep you guys here. Another, but I must another say. One, an interview another time.
1: I have an inbox full of urgent emails. <laughs> 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 and, uh, yeah, so. you know, unlike many yoga teachers, I absolutely love the business side. The business side is no different to the actual practice I'm always practicing yoga in emails.
2: Mm-hmm. Always
1: sending emails of hope, inspiration, and you know, and making it, new connections. Making new connections. I absolutely love it. And uh, you know, every email that I send out is a little story. It's not just yep, nope, yes, do this, do that. It's it's a little, it's a little seed for the future, and. Uh, the reader always gets a little buzz out of it as well.
0: I love that. That's amazing. And I'm, I'm so grateful for your time and and respect that you know the, the emails are calling. So if people <laughs> want to learn more about you, you both maybe check out everything that you have going on, both online and offline. See if maybe in the future, you'll be coming to a city near them. Uh, where can they go to find all of that?
1: ForestYoga.com. Uh, ForestYoga.com has all our stuff. We are musicians. We are yoga teachers. We are medicine people. It's all there. For and remember, forest is spelled with a double R. So forestyoga.com, but with a double R.
2: And check Perfect. out
1: our music too.
2: Mm-hmm. Our
1: music is wondrous. It's uh, there's so many different styles. Uh, it's it's endless the, the styles that uh, come into Forest Yoga.
0: Yeah. And by the time this episode goes live, your new project will be out. So I will make sure that there's a link to that in the show notes so that people can check that out. And I'm personally excited to listen as well. But thank you guys so much for your time today. This was an absolute pleasure. Thank
1: you. Thank you, Amanda. Have a great day.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in for this episode of the podcast. To find links, notes, resources, and everything mentioned in today and all episodes of the show, you can head on over to mbomyoga.com. You can find the podcast and myself on Facebook and social media at Mastering the Business of Yoga, and I would love for you to join the private Facebook community, Yoga Business Badass.